I am unashamed. What about you? So I had a pretty interesting day yesterday. You know, we did we do these podcasts, and then yesterday after the podcast, we finished our our show, our little treasure hunting show, the filming of yeah. it. So we'll see where that goes. I'll keep you posted on that. But Jeff was in town, so Jeff and Jessica ate supper with us last night. Then they stopped by and, and had a visit with us. It was kind of did. I took him fishing. He caught two huge crappie out of Willie's Pond. Which what was, was on the menu? Actually, my lovely wife fixed up roast and gravy, potatoes and carrots in the roast, big mm-hmm. pot of rice, spectacular. Because I had never eaten all day. It was one of the few days that I'd never had stopped and eaten since a chicken biscuit in the morning. It's a good thing I oh. brought that chicken biscuit to tie Joe over. So, Dad, yeah. I had the best, Jay cooked the best boudin I've ever had. I've had some, a lot of good boudin, but he found some when he went to Venice last week fishing. Mm. Woo. He was actually cooking so that because I had to borrow some hooks. He left me some, so I was familiar with that. Willie's, <laughs> Willie's crappie have gotten so big that I had to get a bigger hook because you have to lift them over his bridge. And the hooks would straighten. I mean, these are two to two and a half pound. Crop. You told the story before you had, yeah, you had straightened one out, didn't I, know it. And I, then... You know, I had the old Jaws moment. I told Jeff, he's like, Where are you going? I said, I think we need some bigger hooks. <laughs> 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 so, so, anyway, so this morning, so I didn't get to, to see my wife much. We, we didn't get to talk. And, uh, so this morning she comes up. She's like, "Well, you were so busy because I was so tired. I don't even remember going going to bed last night. I just basically collapsed after all that." And so she said, "I have a story for you." I said, "Okay." And so she said, "Now, how did she say that? Here, here's how it said. Because you know we have this new place in Tennessee. We were in Austin, but we we've made a move here. We got a place. We're fixed to be grandparents. It's a long story." But we've acquired a little farm in Tennessee. But she came in, and, you know, the older we get, the less we can hear as well. And I thought she came in and said, hey, I got a story for you. I said, oh, go for it. And here's what I thought she said. She said, I met our neighbors on intimacy. And I said, (laughs) there's a website called Intimacy? And she well, said, "Well, there's a town called Intercourse. We we covered that yesterday." She said, "I'm not even finishing this story." <laughs> and so, as she was walking away, she said, "I met our neighbors in Tennessee," <laughs> <laughs> and she just left. I mean, I never heard this story, and so I got uh, intimacy. I thought because I was thinking, what in the world are you doing on a website called Intimacy? I mean, what do we have a problem? I mean, it immediately escalated <laughs> in my mind, and so, but being the good wife that she is, on the way down here, there's a train there's coming a train outside coming. your uh, door. Do you want right. to sing that song? <laughs> Long black yeah. train. So she well, called me on the way down here, and she was laughing right off the bat. I was like, oh, I thought you were mad at me because I uh, misheard. She's like, that was ridiculous. She said, so can I f- finish my story now? I was like, yeah, finish the story. She said, so I met the neighbors, and you're not going to believe what they told me. And I said, what? She said, well, she said, welcome to the, the neighborhood. And actually, you know, we're on the top of this hill. They're kind of to the right somewhere, but you can't see them. I mean, I'm completely secluded. But she said, there's a lot of wildlife, as you can tell. I mean, there's deer in the yard. She said, but we have confirmed the sighting of a black panther on on this mountain. Here we go. So we just wanted you to know that. (laughs) For those of you listening, Phil just had one of the greatest eye rolls (laughs) that I've ever seen. This Black Panther thing has been a fantasy. Sai was right all along. That was my first thought. So Sai was right all along. They said they came out of their back door one day, and the Black Panther was on their deck and jumped 10 feet into a tree. That was the story. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) 
But Missy said as she talked, she also said that there were also two cougars. So we got two cougars and a black panther <laughs> yeah. that I'm gonna have to negotiate. I don't know. So what she's do you ha- think, Phil? She's in the she's one of these uh high strung women who are into <laughs> who are into Phil, be careful. <laughs> Various Yeah. Be careful about the plank in the eye. The theorists go along hand in hand with the sighting of cougars and panthers. On the North American continent. You know that since you... <laughs> on the back porch. The last no, podcast, you actually told about an undetermined critter that died in the walls <laughs> of your bathroom. It could have been a baby panther. I, I didn't check it to see, but I don't think we had a black panther up under there. <laughs> but you did have some blow fire. So, Jace, um so well, that was your story? Well, I just thought I'd share that with I you. I think that's pretty interesting. And the, the intimacy part is funny. So we were cleaning out a storage unit. And, you know, cleaning out storage units are always interesting because there's stuff in there that you forgot you put in there. And so it's kind of, I guess it's almost like what you do, Jace, but the, you find these little treasures, you know, that you didn't even know you had. Your stuff, but you forgot about it. So I, came, I saw this letter, and it was in a, it was in a baggie. So it got my attention. And it's from me. Do you know who Mrs. W. T. Carraway is? Do you know? Do you know who Never that is? That's of. Nanny. So that's Mom's grandmother. We call her Nanny. Oh, and you wrote her a letter. I wrote her a letter. Where did you it, find this? It was in my storage unit. Oh, and so I guess Mom gave it to me. And she she went to the other side forty years ago. Mid-70s. Well, you got the gene. You know, Kay is a. Let's face it, she's a hoarder. I mean, when they come Dad out with says it, she's you know, not you a don't hoarder. sift through her stuff looking for old letters, you will be there the rest of your life. No, she's a hoarder. But, Al, I've noticed that you, maybe this has turned into an intervention, you have picked up that that side of the gene pool. You have well, hoarding tendencies. I consider myself more of a historian than a hoarder, but because yeah. um, I was clean. The difference in me and mom is I, you just heard me say I was cleaning out the, uh, do you have the, the contents of the I letter? do. I'm going to share that. So what I want to mention first is this is from Junction City, Arkansas, June 25th, 1971. That's when I sent this letter. So that means I was six years old, and it cost eight cents, by the way, in 1971 to send this letter. And so inside, so here's my handwriting. I wanted to show you that from six years old. Apparently I had a few mistakes in there I had yeah, to, to fix. So here's what I said. Dear Nanny. I love you. How are you doing? I have been going to vacation Bible school for five days. See, I was going to the little church there in Junction City. I like to go to it. Now, here's here's the point I wanted to make on the podcast. I said this at six. Jace at this time was two, about mm. to be three. And No, you, you actually weren't even two yet because you were born in 69. And I was well, in my 30s. Yeah. I had just started speaking in complete sentences. You actually were in your 20s, right? Maybe 2020s. So here's here's what I said. Here's what I told my great-grandmother in 1971 at six years old. Jason is mean as ever. (laughs) You You, you weren't two years old, Mm -hmm. and I'm reporting this. Well, you got to remember, though, at two. What is your defense for a charge (laughs) like that? I mean, (laughs) well, at two, you got to remember, most people wait till they have these money. At two, I'd already killed my first squirrel. I had camped out under the house. Uh, so oh, I remember I, that so night. Told. I had already <laughs> years back. Yeah. You remember that night he got into the house, Dad? Well, they make a big deal about I was lost, you it know, was at 3 two o'clock and- in the morning. We heard the moaning, and I said, and it wasn't an animal. I said, what is that? No. We, yeah. We looked up on the house with a flashlight, and Jace was huddled up under the house at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm, with the dog. I'm camping here. <laughs> so I was the more I, The more I dive into y'all's family background, I'm like, like how did how did all four kids survive? I well, mean, that, no, is, that is, a, is a question. A but when you said y'all, you're part of this family too. There, hot rod. <laughs> so yeah, you're half. Don't Robert. try to subconsciously <laughs> distance so, yourselves. We were raised, and they were, and the letter proves it. So normal that would seem strange. We are the epitome of normalcy. Well, I should. People look and they say, "What in the world?" I should have had. I should have waited. And read, normal is tough. I should have waited and read this letter where Mom was on here because Mom has always said that Jace was a problem from birth, and this backs that up. 
Jason is as mean as ever, but I say, because I'm an encourager, that's the way brothers are. So I acknowledge that, you know, you got to deal with your little brother. How are your cats doing? Our dogs are doing fine. I love you so much that I could die. That was my closing statement, which I don't know what that meant. <laughs> love, Alan. So that's kind that, of disturbing now that you're already <laughs> using death references. At I love you so much uh, that wow. I could die. I mean, that's a that's a, was a pretty yeah, that's who was, interesting who was letter written to to is my this nanny. Kay's mom? Yeah, her her grandmother. So was my Kay's grandmother? Yeah, it was yeah. my great grandmother. She's the one that I spent a lot of time with when I was a kid. And she's the one that basically raised your mama, right? Because when, the other people, the mama and the dad of Miss Kay. They worked at the store right. every day, so so she was raised by her grandmother. Nanny's husband is the one that started Caraway's Grocery, I guess. Yep. And so the, and Mom talks about in her speech, it's really interesting because when she talks about the hard times that she and Dad went through, it was the memory of what her grandmother, Nanny, told her, that one of these days you'll have to fight for your marriage. You know, when Mom oh, does yeah. her speech, that's what she always says. And in that time, she said, I finally realized what she meant. That I would have to fight for my marriage, and she did, yeah. and and she won because we're we're all still here. But I thought that was interesting. That Jace, that was my finding. That was my treasure hunt. Yeah. Well, if you're a hoarder, you you <laughs> tend to stumble up on Jace. Things. Your your <laughs> brother there, your older brother, was the epitome of uh, what a young boy should be like. But when it came to you, he's found you to be lacking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to remember. And I was saying it at six. You got to remember. And when, here I am still grappling with Jay's and dealing with him on a daily basis. Jay's, your past goes all the back, way back to when you were two. Since we're being blunt here, these are the things that happen when the parents are away. It's every man for himself. I figured that out at two. Most people have that epiphany at 14. I, thought, I look well, back on it now and I tell both of oh, you, I'm funny. embarrassed for my former former behavior. <laughs> I'm embarrassed, but I, you know, I can't change it. I just can be for But you know what? The us sitting here doing this podcast for the last two years shows you the power of grace because we were rocky on the front end, but here we are all these years later, almost 50 years later, and we're, we're having a Bible study and with hundreds of thousands of people in America. I mean, Good you tell thought. me there's not a God. Well, Al, the, we could, there was only one direction. From where we started, <laughs> up. Yeah, it was crazy. it was yeah. up or over, right? <laughs> What's interesting yeah. is, yeah, that this would have been pretty much at the heart of the hardest times because Willie was born the next year. He was he was born in seventy two, so mom was would have been just about getting pregnant with Willie. Right? You got to remember the only time I remember being real mean as a kid was when Willie had the unfortunate incident of breaking his leg and he was in a body cast for a few months. Remember that? Yeah. He was just in one place. And boy, because when that he was, happened, he was I remember about two when that happened. I remember thinking, two or three. I'm glad he's better, but I'm fixed to make up for all the misery because <laughs> he just was laying there. He, yeah. he couldn't move. I mean, you just come by and thump him on the head. I, wait, I made him a way to move around by uh, one of his little wagons. And he could take both hands yeah. and he could flit around on the floor. That's right. You know what he was By like? By the way, how did he break his leg? He fell off a slide. Yeah. It, it was at the daycare place oh, oh, after right. school. I, I, look, I, there's what's weird is because you know you have memory problems the older you get. But I remember being at the top of that and looking down and seeing all the tree roots. And here I'm a little kid, four or five years old, thinking, this is dangerous. <laughs> It, little little did you know, you literally were sliding down onto tree roots. Yeah, and it was a of course bad it's setup. what I don't know what I year remember that when was. we got the call. You say your son has just broken his leg. I said what? And uh, off the hound, he's been on off the fell off the slide. I probably pushed him. But I, I can't say remember. <laughs> I mean, we were all up there trying to just beat each other to the punch to slide down on a bunch of tree roots. Yep. But he's yeah. what he's in a full body cast or waist down. What? Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it started it was, at his chest right here. Because I just remember after that a few weeks for his went stomach, by, I think. Well, it was on the backside. He had an opening. Well, uh, yeah, but trust me, the smell started started to linger at a man being on the floor with not the greatest of supervision. Well, it's it become an odor that's indescribable. Well, he was wearing diapers. <laughs> let's let's take a break. So Jay's dad refers to you and I as the young bucks. 
But I don't feel too young anymore. Do you feel young? No. You're about to be a grandfather. I have six grandchildren. Even Zach's in his 40s, but he's getting up there too. One of the things you notice about getting older is you have a few more aches and a few more pains. It's just kind of what naturally tends to happen. And we found out from our conversation with Dr. McQuillan from Omega XL that the underlying cause is inflammation. And, you know, we're all going to face that. And so when that inflammation happens, we have to neutralize. That's where you get the stiff joints and the muscles. So they have a product uh, that they get out of some muscles that they grow in the pristine waters of New Zealand. This actually works. And it works. There's no doubt. Dad and I both take it. It's the only thing Dad takes. Now, I take a few other things, but he just takes this. It's helped him with the uh, with the inflammation. And if you want to get started and try this, you go to OmegaXL.com slash fill. You're going to buy a bottle. You get a second bottle for free. That gives you a couple of months to try it. It's about the, the time when you really start to feel it. OmegaXL.com slash Phil, or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. He was, I don't know that he was potty trained or not, but he was wearing diapers, and I had to change a lot of those diapers because, as you said, we were kind of on our own. So, Jace, did you volunteer along with your brother to no, change never the diapers? No, he never one. changed one. I said, hey, <laughs> look, I gave him some encouragement. I said, I hope you make it. <laughs> <laughs> so Dad had picked up this little creeper, and his, the, che- the uh, cast started at his chest, and on one leg, the bad leg, it went all the way to his ankle, and on the good leg, it went to his knee. So he was literally. How old was Will at that time? He Probably was between two three. and three. Yeah, I thought he was older. Than that. No, he wasn't. I feel bad now for being mean. Because I, I I can relate it to where we were living. We were living in that trailer up at Jake's trailer park, which was what's, right around. What's so weird is I remember the visual images of that. Because yeah, you were only two years older, so I mean yeah. you, you were I was like young, but I five. Yeah. yeah, it was it was an interesting. And summer. now we're all three old men. Yeah. But well, it was like you was a, that, look, y'all don't like to be you called guys young got, bucks. You guys got elevated from, from young bucks to old men That's right now. Young bucks to so come old later. bucks. He stayed there so long, he was like a talking piece of furniture. Because <laughs> no matter where you went or what you did, he was just laying he in the poured, same spot. He poured a long time. It was, but he was, it, it was months. Right in front of the TV, which he, they had the TV on, but it was just snow. And he, that, which may answer a lot of problems. I wonder problems if that was, it. I just thought about it, it just hit me. You know, he's had a lot of knee problems. I wonder if that's the same oh, leg. That's what it is. Because, you know, that leg busted. That femur busted so like bad shattered. they had to go in and, like, like put it together with screws yeah, and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, he had that's a big rod it in his leg. That's yeah. why that knee is so bad. He's had yeah. to have it fixed twice. Yeah, he suffered from that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I never. And I wonder, I got knee problems, and I had a club foot when I was born. You remember me with the club foot? Yep. And so Both they, your feet were like, both your feet were like this. Yeah. Instead of like this, you standing there. Yeah. You were like that. Yeah, this one right one's clubbed. Yeah, your yeah. leg in the womb, it is just you mm-hmm. did both your feet were you know not so they just they, so they just put a reverse cast mm-hmm. on, but when that healed up it never was right. Now, this right leg no, has been a problem. Not, a, not enough forks in the tree. <laughs> well, the biggest problem, <laughs> the biggest problem, Jess, mom is 17, dad is 19. So literally, I, teenagers birthed and raised me, which is amazing. I'm still here. And when they went to pull me out, I don't know if they do it this way now, they couldn't get me out of there. So they put the forceps on my head and, yeah. and literally just manhandled me out oh, of the yeah. womb. You well, were scarred up. On oh, me. my head was all oh, Nobody taught. Look, when my son was born, Reed, and I looked at him, I thought, huh. Because he had, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That's what a redneck says. Yeah. When he said, huh. well, it wasn't my precious child. <laughs> well, he had a cone head because they had used the forces. And so Missy was like, what do you think? I said, well. He's he's literally a conehead, but we're gonna love him anyway. That's what I said because I didn't know the the head sculptor of, of a of a newborn baby is that plow. Yeah, I, I thought, well, boy, this is gonna get a lot of jokes in high school because he. That, and I was thinking, is that where they got the idea about the coneheads? And I mean, my mind was just racing. I thought we we have a conehead because it was drastic. So so when they pulling uh, me out, one of the forces slips off and hits me in the eye. And so when I was born, my eyes would didn't open. 
because I had this one that was damaged. So mom, being 17 years old, she assumed after about five days of my eyes didn't open that I was like a kitten or a dog. Where it your takes eyes like open. nine days, yeah, nine days before yeah. your eyes open. So that she, she, that's what she came to in her mind. No, nobody, I guess, realized that I had actually been damaged, mm. you know, from birth. So I just thought it was interesting that it, that that's well, what that, happened. That theme carried out through the rest of our lives. Because you know, when I broke both of my bones in my left arm on about day three of that, still at the house, Phil got back from his trip, and I was like. He pulled in the yard, and I ran down there, and I was like, hey, Dad, look at my sprained arm. <laughs> Phil said, both bones are broken. You need to go to the ER right now. How long has this been going on? I was like, days? <laughs> He's like, that bound to hurt. I was like, well, it hurt for the first couple of days, but it actually feels better. I said, better. get him to the hospital. She said, you go watch it right now. <laughs> they took me up there, and the first thing they had to do was re-break it. It yep. was already trying to uh, grow back. Together. Yeah. So that was searing pain. <laughs> Uh, well, Jason, I'm not a bone surgeon, but I, 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 I looked at that. She always sprained his arm. Look, I said, I looked at it. I said, it's broken in two places. Go up there and get him to the no, hospital. I remember the doctor interrogating Kay because they were like, why did you wait so long to bring this in? She's like, well, I thought it was sprained. He was like, the bones are protruding <laughs> under his skin. I remember I did it. I'm the one that did it because we were, we were playing football. Yeah. We were watching a football game. We were at the house. And so we, back in those days, we liked to, whatever we were watching, then we implemented it. So we were doing a goal line defense at the couch. Remember, Jay's? We were, I so remember. You're, <laughs> you're not, you never have gotten this story right. I was actually running for the touchdown, and you threw a pillow. And swept like your legs. It was a leg sweep. Yeah, and the pillow <laughs> caught my feet. And I did about two flips and uh, fell on my arm. And he broke both both of them. So we went. So I'm like, he's hurt, you know. So so I went down and told mom and granny are watching Dallas. That's back when Dallas was a big thing. All they worried about is who shot who Jay shot Jr. So I said, yeah. I think Jay's is hurt up here. And they said, Well, wait till the show's over, and then we'll come. <laughs> <laughs> Three days later, I'm Three going. Three days hunt. later. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty. pretty Mom mom used to tell that story when she got bit by a a cottonmouth water moccasin, and her and uh, Paul was looked at and said, "No, she'll be all right." And her legs start swollen up, and it's (laughs) yeah, she'll be fine. And Granny's like, "I think she's gonna be. I think she's sick." Mom's vomiting. Probably the leg is like. Five times the size of its original size. She literally had been bitten by a cottonmouth. And she did. And she said there were red streaks running up her leg. And 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 Paul and uh, Granny said, James Robertson, you better take her to the hospital now. And 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 Mom always said that he he said, well, let me finish my show and I'll run her up there. People are going to hear this. Well, you got to laugh about it. Right? Wait, it's just, it, it was our way. I mean, through the years we've changed, and now we will take people it in. It was all mellow now, ladies and gentlemen. That's but why we're normal now. I just it's look at, while. that's why we're so tough, because, you know, we just, like Jay said, we kind of learned early to fend for yourself. Yeah. The Almighty had to look out for you. It is. Oh, that's pretty. All right, memory lane. So back to Matthew chapter 12 is uh, where we're at in our text today. This is one of my favorite chapters because it addresses this ritualistic versus relationship. Yeah. It, what is it going to be? Are you, it was the Sabbath made for man, you put it that way in John, or man for the Sabbath. You would, th- you would think that Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath <coughs> and his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. You would think nobody would mind, Jace, no matter what day it was, for you to walk through the wheat fields and pick a few kernels and eat them. You would think that wouldn't be an issue. Well, what kind of mind makes that an issue? Because they have a law that said, and God made the law that He wanted you to rest at at certain time. There's a time right. to rest. <clears throat> Work six days and rest one. 
Yeah, so which then means it, you did a lot of work. So the but the legalistic part of it comes in is what does rest mean? Because Jay's told a story <clears throat> a few podcasts ago about not even to this day not pushing the button on an oh, elevator. On modern day, they have the elevators that stop on every floor without the button being pushed. So the and right beside it, if you're not a believer, you can ride that elevator. Of course, I thought this is the ride to hell. I mean, because if you're not a believer, you can ride here and push push the button. Push whatever button you want to. Well, right. It just seems so weird. But that's where you get into. Let's take a break. So we did a uh, podcast uh, a little while back about Jill's book, Zach. And and I know you self-published it. How, how, how's the book doing? And, and tell us a little bit about how you did that, because one of our new sponsors uh, is a part of that. Well, you know, it's doing real well. It's called Shallow. Uh, Jill, you can outsource pretty much everything, every component of it. The one thing that Jill did not outsource was the the design of the cover, which all these girls like, man, love the cover of your book. Where'd you get that? And she said, it's actually a, a sweater that Jill saw at the thrift store. She bought the sweater and then she went on Canva and... She had no experience with with that kind of design work, but it was so easy to do that she literally built the book cover herself on Canva, and that's so that's I mean it was kind of you know well, kind of an anticlimactic story, it, but that's what she did. Well, it really makes you know graphic artwork something that anybody can do, and that's that's what's really yep. interesting about this uh, this company. It's uh, called Canva Pro. And you can use four other people. You can go Canva Pro. It's twelve ninety nine a month, but you're able to work together. Uh, you save on your time planning, your creating, and your posting on social media. So if you want to design like a pro with Canva Pro, you go to canva.me slash unashamed. You're going to get a free 45-day extended trial if you use that promo code. So that's a great chance to see if it's something you really like. Canva.me. Me, C A N V A dot me slash unashamed. You're going to get 45 day free extended trial and see if it's something that can help you out. That's what you get into, though, Dad. So while one will be picking grain and, and eating a bite, another is pushing a button. So when does it stop? Do you just lay there and, yeah. <clears throat> you know, never lift your hand to? Eat or I mean I don't know you know if you get into the to the legalistic aspect of what is rest versus what is work, but to Jace's point you know the whole idea was God made the law to protect people and so they would understand that you know you need to rest yeah you need you need a day of rest just don't look like a wild man beating the air every day twenty four seven there's a lot of movers and shakers it'd be good for them but yeah. Well, even God rested on the seventh day, right. which is where this idea came from. Which, but, which, but look, there's seen... something to be said about about that because I'm look. I, it seems like our culture. The problem is they're resting with a lot of people for six days and working one. Got <laughs> <laughs> so, a point. That's true. I mean, there's there's places around here that can't even find anybody to work. Yeah, but oh, we got to global supply chain problem because nobody wants to work it's yeah exactly exactly we've but taken, it's a weird taking the sabbath to extreme i mean we're in matthew 12 it's just we got to deal with it well and again i think it back to what led into this the last podcast when y'all closed out that those three verses come to me who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you i mean I, jesus is basically telling them look if you'll trust in me you won't have to worry about stuff like they're fixing to get into because I'm going to take all that. You know, it's not going to be on you to have to be perfect and have to do everything right. Take, I'm the one, put the burden on me. So I think he sets that up for, cause what's about to happen because the first thing they do when they see it is they say, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They're basically <laughs> pointing to them and saying, you're breaking the law. That's right. It sounds like modern-day America and what we do to the Constitution of the United States. Yeah. I mean, these cases keep going up before the Supreme Court because people are pointing fingers saying, and they're right in some cases and wrong in other ones, but, we, but they argue about the law. It's a continual, uh, massive 
in group of individual lawyers, mm -hmm. law keepers, lawbreakers. I mean, you know, passing legislation, this and that, Supreme Court. You're like, man has been, what's the word, wrestling, wrestling with the law. Yeah. Or ever since they've been on planet Earth, Al. Yeah, and you're right. And I'd say to to your point, a modern example of this, you know, during the pandemic, you have all these mandates that mandates. Was made by a president or government. They're not. They're not law. They're not. They're law. just a mandate. Just somebody says, "Hey, I I say you got to do this." So then the whole thing becomes a back and forth between those who are willing to do it, not willing to do it, telling on people that are, you know. You tell me on an airplane. I mean, if you if you fly now, you realize it's just a constant. They go stress. to great lengths to make sure how they view a certain statute is is implemented, but it's an age old struggle. Yep, men and law, in my opinion, which is a great thing when you finally get here about the grace of God instead of His laws. You just it's a sigh of relief. Right. I mean. He's not counting men's sins against them. Not when you break it. Well, these guys here—they were. I mean, I love what Jesus says here. He says, "You." Uh, he uses the whole David story to kind of because they these guys were obsessed with the temple worship and what went on in the temple. And he told the story about when when David ate the bread in the temple. I love this in verse six, though. This is the this is the the stinger here. He said, "But I say to you." that something greater than the temple is here. Mm. So they're they're looking at the rules and they're worshiping these rules. They're they're worshiping the temple of God. And Jesus is like, Yeah, I don't understand what just arrived. <laughs> you know, you, exactly. All this was pointing to me. It's pointing to the kingdom that I brought. And you're focusing on everything but what that's pointing to. Yep. Uh, this, that's a powerful verse. Well, he, and, uh, yeah, and it leads to that verse 8 where he said, For the Son of Man, which the last podcast, you know, I picked up those verses that reference that. Well, here's another one. He's like, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So he was making a point. It's not so much what you do because I know the heart, I understand freedom, and I, I'm i the creator of this, which we know by John when he said it's not about the Sabbath being made for man or a man made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Right. And he wrote the law and gave it to Moses. But you just realize, too, what authority he is interjecting here. Woo. <laughs> Saying, hey. I, I well, am the Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, the, that, that, that's what made these guys so mad. I mean, he's basically claiming lordship. And, and I think at the end of the day, they, they were comfortable with their law. They were comfortable with their, their religion because they could have their own autonomy and still be in charge of their own way. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, no, he said, I'm lord of all that and I'm the only way. That that was the that was his offense was that's what made him angry was that he was the the status he was it was wrecking their entire system and they it made him very uncomfortable obviously. Well, you remember so when they ratchet this up, starting with don't eat the grain, they're breaking the law, and then the next thing they say you're breaking the law. Man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they're just searching to try to get is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath. Now we've gone from, is it lawful to eat some wheat when you walk through it on the Sabbath? What about healing somebody's disease? You would think they would cut the dude a little slack. <laughs> I mean, the man's yeah. got a shriveled hand. You'd think they said, well, whoo, uh, you fixed that? You say, yeah, on the Sabbath? <laughs> and they're making an issue of you can't do that on the Sabbath. It's, it, it, it's what legalism does, Al. Well, and this one was more of a setup. This was an ambush. Oh, yeah. Because they saw this guy and they asked the question just to try. This is when they start testing him then. Yeah. Of course, then he comes back and says, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He puts it right back on them. You'd think it wouldn't be an issue, but the more I hear about Facebook and the things they come up with, I've never turned on to the clicked on to the Facebook, but I just hear people talking about what they heard on the Facebook. <laughs> so if you just look at it logically, you say, 
are all these things still going on right before us and we, we just don't miss it? We, we, we miss it or you say this legalistic attitude, mm-hmm. it's still everywhere, Al. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and of course, the modern thing is to what, what a lot of modern people do is turn Sunday into the Sabbath. They call that the Sabbath. And then there's certain things you can do. I remember yeah. I was playing golf one day on a Sunday afternoon and some guy came up and he was like, why are you playing golf on Sunday? I said, well, it's, it's the only day I could play this week. It's, they've asked me. You know, it was like like you couldn't do it because it was the, you know, like you're breaking the Sabbath. I was like, They've asked me, I, said, how's, how's it going? I said, pretty good. It's Sunday morning. And I said, I'm fresh out of the duck blind. And they said, you hunted ducks on Sunday? I said, yeah, now I'm here meeting with the brothers. I said, good to see y'all. And they're like, well, I don't know about that, you know, if you're hunting ducks on the, on the Sabbath. It's like in some states they close it for Christmas because they think yeah. it's sacrilegious. Right. I'm like, first of all, we don't even – that's not even the day. It's just somebody, a day. Somebody's made that day up. And why not have a tradition with family and celebrate Jesus and his creation as you prepare the meal and – Oh no, we we've made this the Sabbath, <laughs> which is a modern of what these guys are doing. Let's take another break. So, Dad, what's your favorite tree? Ball cypress. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. You love the cypress tree. Does it take you back because of the the old hole we used to hunt out of the cypress tree? Is that where your affinity for the cypress it's tree? It's a goes beautiful from? tree. It's one of the toughest trees that ever was. A big wind will blow a lot of trees down, but the ball cypress are still standing. It's true, and it makes root system great roots. It makes some beautiful furniture, and you can make duck blinds out of them. It's really good. I love them. So I plant them. I plant thousands of them. So we love trees. Dad plants a lot of trees, and for you, you may say, "Well, you know, I'm living in a neighborhood. I can't, may not be able to plant a ball cypress." But one of our sponsors is a company called Fast Growing Trees, and they've got the sort of trees that you can plant in your backyard or in your front yard or where you wherever you want to do it. Lisa and I have ordered these before. They're, they come in great shape. They're very easy for us to take and, and plant. Um, they have a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, which means they're going to arrive happy, healthy, and ready for planting. So now through November 30th, go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Robertson, and you're going to get 15% off your order. It's 15% off fastgrowingtrees.com slash Robertson. Well, I put a, I put a summation. I just did this based on this chapter, but com- comparing the Pharisees with Jesus, I mean, he made some references here that you just need to make sure you're on the right side of things. Cause you know, the first thing he referenced or the most disturbing thing, not the first. But he he says that they condemned the innocent. He said that in verse 7. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. You never want to be going around trying to enforce law, modern day or in their day, that is condemning people that are innocent. You you don't know people's hearts. You, You can't base, you know, they saw some heads being picked in a field. And they immediately brought condemnation. Well, when you think of the opposite, what is what did Jesus eventually do? He completely restored. Mm-hmm. He makes people I innocent. I never thought that you might work that into, they passed a law that said you can now, if you're a woman, kill your child if you don't want him. Just kill him. Abort him. Well, it sounds like to me you just passed an edict that that condemning and killing your own offspring is good. You're good to go because it's the law. Exactly. A woman has the right to kill her child if she wants to. Not against the law. Yeah. What happened in this so case they're was doing way the same more thing innocent. These Pharisees yeah, are doing exactly. Think about the irony of 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 the Pharisees' contrast to Jesus here. Jesus is coming to heal people and restore people, and then verse fourteen. So as the Pharisees went out when they saw him doing this, they conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. So he's he's building and he's healing, and they're like, "Oh, we have to we have to destroy." Which I think is a hallmark of kind of a Pharisaical mindset: is Are you a divisive person trying to destroy what what's going on good in the in the kingdom? And if you are, you, you probably need to check yourself because that, that's that's what they do. That's what Pharisees do. They destroy things. They don't build anything. 
Yeah, you made a yeah. point, Zach, you, in a lesson one time. I've never forgotten about how much more difficult it is to build something than to come in and destroy it. You can wipe it out quick. And you gave an illustration about your boys. One of them was made a massive Lego village, spent all day building it, and the other one came in, destroyed it in about ten minutes. And <laughs> and the, and but that that stuck with me because I thought that's what the evil one does. He comes to kill and destroy. Yeah. And look, that's easy. It's yeah. hard to build. That's right. Well, that's where I was getting this. You know, they they were condemning the innocent twelve seven. You know, when he gets to nine, it says going on from that place, he found a man with a shriveled hand, and looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, "Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath?" Well, here we go. First, we're picking heads in the field and eating, but now it's like, "Well, is it lawful to heal?" So then he said to the man, "Stretch out your hand." So he stretched out stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Which, by but, the way, if you're looking for a miracle, and what was the, that's a miracle. But what a shriveled what, hand to perfect hand. So what was the response to the Pharisees? Says? Well, they went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now, you just think about that. When your narrative is we, to a point. If you help a man who had a shriveled hand and you ate some grain on sun, on Saturday morning, we're going to kill you. And they didn't think well, that there was anything wrong. You know, kill the man who can make another man's hand perfectly new. That's not a guy but I'd this, be looking to kill. I mean, but this, this is, we see this all the time. How many, how many people do we know personally that we've seen doing the work of the kingdom? They're, they're, they're actively acting like Jesus. And then other people, religious people, come after them and try to destroy them. Yep. I mean, it's, it's almost like you have to, I mean, it's like you have to expect it. When you're doing kingdom work, and you're serving people, then all I got to say is get ready because somebody, yeah. somebody's coming to take you I always out. say the worst arrow, Zach, is the one in the back, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to make these analogies. So you get this one, condemn the innocent. Jesus, what is he doing? He's completely restoring people, which is the opposite. Two, he referenced this house of God in 12.4 because the, the Pharisee mind makes the actual house holy. And eventually, Jesus, we know what he did. He made people holy who became the house of God. You know, how many references about, you know, Hebrews Pretty 3, amazing. 4 is a good one. Mm -hmm. The consecrated bread was an issue in chapter 12 and verse 4. And we know in John, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You know, it's not about the actual cracker. It's about what that represents. And, and that goes back to the reference about hungering and thirsting after righteousness also. Then the reference we've already said about it was they said he was doing it unlawful. And Jesus was like, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. It's not necessarily what, it's who. And, and he knows the heart. And then this lost sheep comes up in 12 and 11 and 12. And you think... Immediately you think, well, it is about the lost sheep because we have that story in Luke 15, but we know that really it's about the shepherd. I mean, because a sheep couldn't couldn't be rescued without the shepherd with the one right. going up. But we tend to make it about that lost sheep, you know, because that he referenced that. He's like, he said, that if any of you has, has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, this is verse 11, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good. I mean, he said that before he healed him. And he was but making you know them what, be hypocritical because, like, as long as it's somebody else's sheep, you really you, you wouldn't care. But you know what was really true about him? Let's take our last break. <laughs> is that they really did value the sheep more than the man. Hmm. Oh, they, they really did well, uh, think the sheep was well, more valuable. And not your sheep, but theirs. Yeah. They don't care about yours. No. Or, or they don't <laughs> care about the guy with the shriveled hand. He was yeah. just a guy that was a prop to try to test you. The, the fact he was healed, instead of saying, well, that was pretty cool, instead they said, let's kill him. And so the last thing I want to say, the contrast of the Pharisees, was they it led to a plot to kill Jesus. And verse 15 says aware of this. Yeah. He was aware of the plot. Yeah. And I I'm only making this point to make a greater point which is right before he died on the cross, 
the first thing he said when he was up on that cross was forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, here they are, despite all these accusations and trying to trap him and now trying to kill him, Mm -hmm. him being aware of that still offered forgiveness to his death. I mean, those are the contrasts in the Pharisee mind and the mind of Jesus, which is the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. I, I want to mention one other thing, Jace, that we we skipped this verse, but I think it's very cogent to what we're talking about. In verse 7, he said, if you had known what these words mean, the idea that something greater than temple is coming, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, that's interesting because that's the second time he's quoted Hosea 6.6. 6. He said it the first time when Matthew was called and they said, he, they asked the disciples, they said, why, do, why does your, your rabbi, why does he eat with these tax collectors and sinners? He said, well, it's, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. And then he quotes Hosea 6.6. 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He does it here again in the same context, meaning that uh, to our point, he is greater. And so they were like, but he is there to help other people find him. That's what they were missing. I mean, the biggest problem with these these legalist Pharisees, and same thing today if they miss it, is that when you miss Jesus, you miss people and his love for people. Yeah. And I, we mentioned this whenever Jesus was tempted by Satan that I had never really thought about before, but that last temptation up on top of that high mountain, Satan was going after his love for people and trying to basically say, if you make a deal with me, then we'll rule together. And Jesus said, nope, you worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But the, what the motivation was is that he loved people so much, that's why he came here to die. Which, to your point, Jays, a plot to kill him meant nothing to a guy who came to die anyway. I mean, exactly. th- this was he knew this was going to happen. I mean, he, oh, he yeah. was this was just, just too early, you know? It's embarrassing that religious people would do this. But then when you look at our culture today, there's still religious people doing the very same thing. Right. It comes back down to that. You know, I made this illustration before, which I think is a good one. There's a lot of religious people that view Christianity through a magnifying glass. They're always, or a microscope, they're always trying to pick out what they don't like or what they don't agree with. or And that becomes the whole narrative in in their existence and their identifying with religion. It's like they're taking a course, trying to get all the answers right, figure everything out. Forget about other people and the movement and spreading Jesus. It's about what happens right here, and we want to try to do everything right. And instead, you know, God offers you a mirror, and the reflection that you eventually should see is Jesus. When you look in the mirror, you want to be looking not only yeah. to yourself, but you want to become correct an image of being Christ-like. Christ in us. Because ultimately, that that is the prize, is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That's the prize. And I I think about like all of this, all these guys worshiping and obsessive over the law and all the rules and the regulations. And when Jesus, when he says he summed the whole thing up in two ways, love God and love your neighbor. And sum it all up because that's the point of it all. And they right. and they missed the summation of all of it, and instead they focused only on the particulars of the law. They never they didn't get the 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 big pitch. They didn't get the whole thing of what was the sum, what was the totality, what was he trying to do here? He said, "Love God, love me, and then love each other." That's it. it sums it and all my up. My question is, what do legalistic minded people? Because I remember when I had an epiphany reading, just reading on my own, and I'd look around and say. Well, there's some people in here that are acting like Pharisees. But but I, I got it from reading this. Right. But what do they do about what do they what does a legalistic person think when they read what we just read? I think <laughs> I think what they think, Jace, is that they don't think because if you get like the to be legalistic and to be a Pharisee, you have to be extremely angry. And you get, you just get, you stay stirred up and you're so angry about how somebody else has fallen short or they don't have it right. And you're pointing fingers and you just get in that mindset. You, you, you don't even have room to hear this. Even when he says in verse seven, if you had known like what I'll just mention, what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. I mean, even, even with him telling them. He's like, I'm telling you what this means, yeah. and they still didn't know it. They, 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 they it's they're they're blind to it, and I, I just think that the Lord, you know, does blind certain people. I think you look in uh, 
like Pharaoh, you know, he hardened Pharaoh's heart because Pharaoh was so belligerent against, you know, the obvious miracles that God was performing. God's like, man, if you want, if that's the way you're going to roll, I'll, I'll, I'll strengthen your resolve against me then. That's fine. If you're going to reject revelation, which is kind of what he's getting up to here in the next, very next uh, part of the chapter is when they blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It's like, there's nothing these guys, there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nothing that can be, no miracle that we can perform. Ultimately, these guys are rejectors of truth. So I don't think they even see it. Uh, well, I'll tell you, you what the biggest problem is. They, they don't, legalistic mindset, they, their approach to the scripture is, I'm going to go there and find a passage that backs up the way I think or the way that I've been taught. And so yeah. that's their approach to scripture. That's why you get into see some of these crazy thoughts because they'll go in instead of reading the whole context like we're doing instead of a book of the Bible and what it meant then and there and what it means now. If you go in and try to cherry pick verses out to back up your ideas, that's what these guys did. They yeah. did that with the law. They just went in and cherry picked what they wanted. They ate a little grain on on the Sabbath. They healed a man with a shriveled hand right after that, and then that didn't work. Pharisees went out and plotted how they're going to kill Jesus. But, then, then you get to when Jesus drives out a demon, all the people were astonished. Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Which just means, think of the, the thing. You which, try to kill him and you accuse him of being <laughs> demon-possessed. But what that I'm means you've say, run out of arguments. We only have a couple <laughs> minutes. But look, there are still people on the earth today who are acknowledging the Sabbath and that are going by this rule system that Jesus seems to be bringing in contrast. So what would y'all say today when people say, well, you have to keep the Sabbath and make it holy today? I would say the Sabbath is a great idea. The reason why God made it a law is that people should take a day of rest, but some sort of legal, you have to do this or you aren't right with God is not biblical. And I think this proves that idea. And, and the Sabbath is not Sunday. Sunday's a day, it's traditionally that we meet, it's the first day of the week, but we could meet any day. I mean, Sunday's been great, but it's not a Sabbath. It's it's We're not bound we're to not the days. We're not bound to the days. You remember Paul said it clearly, some people have more, one day over another. You know, some people honor this day and not that day, talking about holidays. So you, you just can't make this law. You have to look at it and say, Jesus was letting us know he is the answer. When you watch a man from Monday through Saturday, that's who he really is. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I agree. Uh, I guess I'll close with this statement. Uh, I think about Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Jace, I love the mirror versus microscope th thought process. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And we're reading about people that were actually physically alive and able to look at him, and they couldn't see him. That's it. They saw everything else. And so we don't want to be that person, you know. Let's, mm -hmm. let's fix our eyes on him and what he's, what he's done for us. All right, we'll try to do better next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.